0: Happy birthday, America. It's time. It's the fourth. Explosions. Socially distanced explosions. Corona is bad. Stay away. But barbecue is in moments apart. in
1: history, but only the American parts.
0: Yes. So we're going to talk about today. What are we talking about, Matt?
1: I think we're going to go uh, home, home on the range. Where oh, the is that ling- where
0: the deer... Go ahead. <laughs> no, you're good. Where the deerling and the non-existent antelope There's no
1: antelope. Yeah, there's no antelope. What's up with that?
0: Well, pronghorns... You know what? I'm going to save that because I want to talk about pronghorns later. But...
2: Chris is here, too. Hey! Yeah, Chris
0: is here. Say thanks.
2: What's going on? We're
1: talking prairie. Welcome to the sides of Pokemon.
0: <laughs> like Where a good, Don
1: is running the show tonight.
0: And like a good prairie dweller. In the olden days, I've got my whiskey. And uh, I'm ready to talk about some critters. <laughs>
1: Uh. Okay.
0: The following podcast is a member of the Pokecasters Network. Pokecasters Network, supporting Pokemon content creators, their shows, and the community of Pokemon fans. To find out more, check out pokecasternetwork.com or find us on Twitter and Facebook. All right, we got news. We got science news and we got Pokemon news, but Chris has cool science news, so he's going to hit it. All right,
2: <laughs> science news. So apparently this has been a thing, and I just learned about it, but <laughs> snakes can fly.
1: <laughs> apparently Damn. it's a thing, and I just learned it.
2: <laughs> Some researchers, I think it was out of Virginia Tech, discovered more the mechanics of how these flying snakes can glide, more so it glide than with fly. with the
0: aid of devils.
2: It's, it's actually kind of cool, but it's it's more of they launch themselves from these tree branches and they do this thing with their rib cage that kind of like flares it into kind of like a concave shape. And then the way they undulate, so basically how a snake normally moves, they just do that through the air to keep themselves from tumbling. This allows them to just glide. I think I read they can glide up to like 100 meters.
0: Yeah, it's, but- the, um, it's the paradise tree snake, which everyone should Google. They're very aesthetic.
2: If there's one thing I can say that snakes should not be able to do, it's fly. And I don't know, I don't know what's what with this world anymore. Knowing that. Snakes what if flying. they could? What
0: if they could hop around on their tail, and like stand up straight? Would that be worse or better than flying?
1: Wait, wait. Well, <laughs> oh. no, someone could do that. Wait, can't they? Some of them like no. stand up and like like not they like. Can, on no, the tip I would like. Chair.
0: What if they could stand totally vertically?
1: Oh, <laughs>
2: no.
0: oh
1: Um, that one would be
2: creepier to me. Like, yeah. It just like just this thing's like going straight up staring me in the eyes no I say I recognize that snakes have a place in the in this world and they serve a purpose I just don't want them to be around me
0: I would love to see the first paradise tree snake that figured out how to do it
2: <laughs> how to, yeah he was just like Guys, well, I've check just been this falling out.
0: out of trees for a while and then this one guy was like oh wait what if I just like suck it in
2: <laughs> oh <geez. laughs> Check yeah. it out. All right. Uh, there goes Dave flying again.
0: There's a really, really, really sad lizard on the fart tree.
2: They're apparently better gliders than flying squirrels.
0: Good. Flying squirrels are too cocky.
2: They thought they were safe in the air.
0: Yeah. They're going to get got by the flying snake.
2: Okay. That's that's what I got for science. I thought that was, I thought that no, was cool I and it. crazy. I love it.
1: I love it.
0: Alrighty, so we got a bit of Pokemon news. Well, a couple bits of Pokemon news. One, did we talk about Series 5 is going on now? Or it's about to go on? Yeah. Armor's off, all sorts of neat stuff. Porygon 2, Porygon Z are back. Grassy Sir Rillaboom really good. Lots of
2: stuff is good. Yeah, it
1: good. is. I didn't, I, 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 I didn't realize how good it really was going to be. I'm excited yeah,
2: to try out Rillaboom because I picked Grookey at the start, but then Cinderace became kind of my, my favorite, and I kind of tossed Rillaboom to the side, and so I kind of want to see what he's like now.
0: Cinderace is also dumb good, and they kind of work, they can work on the same team pretty well, because yeah. like, I feel like Rillaboom doesn't have to max, so it's okay for, with Cinderace.
2: I just yeah. love coming in with Cinderace at the end,
0: just like sweeping up.
2: Well, I've yeah.
1: seen that Cinderace and Rillaboom are on a lot of teams together. I'll have
0: to try I that I'd click out. PZ Max Strike three times and then giggle. <laughs> um, other than that, we also have updates about Worlds for 2021, assuming yes. that like we can go be in groups by then. We'll see. <laughs> the, uh, we're going to have four-day Worlds because they're going to factor in the points from this year as well. So I'm super excited to go 03 drop on a Thursday instead of a Friday. So it's going to be good. <laughs>
2: Where, where is Worlds again
1: this year? Assuming that it was going to be together. in London. Yeah, and I think they're doing yeah. it
0: in London again.
1: Yes, okay. I think they are going to, too. That's what that's what it sounded like,
0: which I'm excited for. Honestly, I would like to go to London. For.
1: I'm honestly, I'm a bit sad, though, because every other year it's in America. And Lai and I, were, we were going to go next year Well, go cause, to London to because she didn't want to go last year because Chloe couldn't go, uh, you know, because we had just taken Chloe in and I was not going to handle that long trip with her. No, London's too. Uh, London's too far. With a f- I mean, they can
0: just ask me about my favorite animals for four hours, like they did when I stayed at your house that one time.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Was there any other Pokemon news? Oh, uh, um, Aura. Yeah. Oh. Makes- oh, oh, oh no. Wait.
0: My, my, way more importantly, Pokemon Snap. Number <laughs> yes. two. You, oh, you haven't, everyone you haven't
2: get hyped! I am. Nothing so else matters. It's the
0: snap. best. I'm. St- it's that gonna is- be good.
2: I still have my N64 I'm, and still play Pokemon Snap.
0: It's the reason I still have an N64, honestly. Well, also Ocarina of Time, but Pokemon Snap.
2: It's a good game.
0: Uh, it, was, we'll, it was it we'll was my get,
2: jam. Think about like, because we didn't even get the original 150 in the original one. So if all the ones they can pull from now, I think it's going to be pretty awesome.
1: Well, yeah. Someone's I mean, going to be
2: kinda...
0: super mad because they're going to leave out watch hog at least i hope they do because i hate it and then like someone's gonna be mad about it and there's gonna be a whole new twitter thing because people are still mad about other stuff so we'll see but i'm excited
1: yeah there's gonna be something like that where people are like hey how, why'd you leave out ribombi ribombi's in it First, i sure. think it it's is. adorable yeah well i mean they're only gonna put so many in it though like gerigian
0: Dirig- he- that dragon that everyone forgets exists he's not gonna make it
1: <laughs> you wait why- you wait he's gonna be like the most important one in, in like the cave level now <laughs>
0: I hope he's not.
1: <laughs> All right. I got news too. Uh, we got network news. We have a lot going on this month. I'm excited. So Don and I just finished a meeting for our charity tournament, which is July 25th. So excited, so excited. That said, July 2nd, 10th, 16th, 24th, on our Discord, we're doing raid nights. Jared, who's been on our show a few times, who's our, our botanist friend, he runs our the raid nights for the the network. And what we're doing this month is we're only hunting down competitive stuff. So last week we were we looked for um, solar power, uh, G-, uh, G Max Charizard and uh, chlorophyll gmax venusaur so that was fun
2: i caught zero Venusaurs. It
1: was. <laughs> so I, I, I fought like
2: six <laughs> i caught zero i have a spare i'll get you one <laughs> okay i was, was so
1: mad yeah i think i think what needs to happen is i need to start just giving out master balls to people <laughs> <laughs> yeah so anyways that's one thing we're going to do a friendly battle night on July 17th. So if you're interested in coming and helping our charity tournament, which please do, like it's it's for charity. Um, it's only going to be like 15 bucks. So we're going to do this uh, on July 17th. We're going to do like this uh, friendly battle night where if you want to come out and like test your team or something, even if you're like a non-competitive player and you want to play in the tournament and you want some help, we're going to be working with the Pokey Sports Podcast. They're going to help us with some team building stuff, which I think is great. So that will be fun. And we also have a curry bake-off night round two yeah yeah july 29th you're everyone's going down again because apparently i'm really good at curry so come check out coming out with us in the discord we got a lot of cool stuff going on and you talked about the raid
2: nights matt too but i think our next one's uh the 10th
1: yeah second the 10th yeah and honestly if you join the discord like we post them all in the announcements like everything's posted there all, our, all of our monthly events or pokecasters network website has them all too so it's all up there i'm excited i hope you guys come and help out come on out they're fun events you don't have to come to all of them but you should come to some of them yeah i mean a friendly battle night that'll be cool because even if you're not a competitive player like you know we'll help you so
2: like me (laughs) i don't know what i'm doing
1: you know what i will don and i will both help you right don
2: yes i will do something
1: not porygon z though
0: porygon z all the way forever and always
1: I feel like that's my secret now. Right. publicly, right. Chris. We're just gonna have Don because he's gonna help me run the tournament. We'll just have him give you his Porygon Z team. There we go.
0: Yeah, I'll give it to you. It's it's <laughs> sweet. It's so easy.
1: <laughs> max Max moves, guys. All right, you ready to move on? Let's do it.
0: Let's do it. Alrighty, so we're going to the Midwest mostly and the West for this one. Going to the American prairie. What do you guys know about prairies?
1: Uh, I know Prairie Home Companion from NPR is not funny. I know that they're flat.
0: So that's they're like grasslands, are, right? Yes, they're both. That's very accurate. So a prairie, just the term prairie refers to like just generally kind of flat grasslands, but we're talking about mainly about the American prairie. Which encompasses all those fun states, you know, Oklahoma, Kansas, Montana, various other flat places in the middle. And yes or no, Montana also has mountains. Don't send me angry messages on Twitter. <laughs> so, how the, dare the, you! The American prairie was formed from the uplift of the Rocky Mountains, which created a rain shadow. So, basically, the Pacific Northwest is wet, and then you go to the east, and it is not wet, and that's where the prairie's at because it gets less rain so instead of being like rainforest it's grass and the parent material of the soil for the prairie was um it's like the the soil that lets all that grass grow so nice was distributed by the last glacial advance so over 10 miles. So like the last ice age when all the glacier glaciers like creeped on south they dragged a bunch of crap with them and then when they moved back they left it there and that's where all the dirt came from for the grass huh
1: but like the American Prairie is like massive though, right? Like, like it, it encompasses like a good like majority of the country then, it, doesn't it? Isn't
2: it like the, the biggest chunk of the country of like any of those types of areas?
0: It's basically like both the Dakotas, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma, good chunks of like Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, New Mexico, Texas- all the middle of the state and then up into like a good chunk of Canada, like Manitoba, Alberta, Saskatchewan, all contain parts of the prairie. It's probably the largest, it's the largest like grassland like that. Or if not, I don't know, maybe, maybe the steppe in Mongolia is bigger. I'm actually not hundred percent, but it's very big.
2: Now, when I think of those areas, I tend to think of agriculture. Is there something about the soil or something that happened with that, what you had talked about with the soil that was distributed there that makes it, or is it just because it's kind of wide open areas?
0: A little bit of both. So the, the glacial depositions did leave a ton of like very fertile soil there. And because it's um it's not like, there's, like there is like so there is several types of prairie. There's like wet prairie, uh, mesic prairie, and dry prairie. So wet prairies are like very, very wet. That's like a bog, basically. And there's mesic prairies and then there's dry prairies. So most of um, the areas of the prairie that are used best. So uh, like a mesic prairie, it has like good drainage and good soil. It has good drainage, but like during the growing season, the soil is like really good. Mm -hmm. And uh, the chunk, the special, specifically the mesic chunks of the American prairie are the ones most used for agriculture because it's got really, really good types of soil. And then there's a dry prairie, which can be good for growing during like the growing season because it has good drainage. But that soil is also like the loosest. So when like the dust bowl happened, the most infamous part like that, the worst parts were on the areas of the naturally dry prairie because it. With between the soil erosion from over far, over farming and the lack of rain, it gets real, real loose. So, like a lot of the southern prairie of the American prairie is dry prairie. If that makes sense, it's getting it the does, least like, You talk of like rain. like
1: Oklahoma, Texas, kind of yeah.
0: area. Yeah, all the grapes are
1: rathy places. So, here's the thing: I realized when we were talking about this episode, there's not a lot of Pokemon that are from the American prairie.
0: There's really not. Honestly, I think that's kind of a shame because.
1: There's a lot of cool things out there.
0: There's a lot of really cool stuff. Real quick, I'd like to refer. There's a, a really cool book I read a while back called American Serengeti that talks about the American prairie by uh, Dan Flores. Everyone should read it. Real cool. And But yeah, it's like I think a lot of people, even Americans themselves, who you'd think would, being a part of their country, would appreciate the prairie more. Kind of don't. They kind of write that whole area off. And it's a really unique like geologically and like uh, ecologically area. And the animals there are really, really interesting. But they kind of get brushed off as being like the flyover states. And I wonder if that maybe that applies to the global view of it. So maybe that's why they're underrepresented compared to some other areas of America and the world as a whole.
1: Okay. I mean, I
2: I, I think that what you said, Don, makes sense because those areas don't typically have like the higher profile. And, yeah. and even though they have some, as we're going to talk about, some really cool and unique animals, it's just they don't get the hype the prairie doesn't the prairie doesn't get the hype that other spaces do
1: well my other thought was and i know we're going to talk about a few pokemon or a few animals that aren't specifically based on their the prairie cousins but like my thought is just that maybe like the more i think about it there are a lot of biomes that the games really haven't touched on
0: yeah and i do see from a maybe i mean i'm sure they could they could implement it right especially now but from a video game standpoint excuse me, a whole bunch of grass isn't the most exciting biome to walk around. I don't know,
1: the, the wild area is pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, that's true, but they kind of vary it a bit. I mean, yeah, could easily, they could easily make a wild area of prairie, and, like, yeah. Isle of Armor does have some sort of prairie zones, especially.
1: Yeah, I mean, it'd be cool. I think there's definitely ways to do
2: it. Do, you, is, do we think there's also some sort of issue in terms of game design with, like, the types that would come out of that area? Like, are we talking they'd all be grass and normal and flying? I don't
1: think so. Well, no. a lot well, of,
0: I, f- I feel like a lot of mammal based Pokemon tend to be normal type, but I think if you look a little deeper, there's a lot of, a lot to work with to make mm-hmm. stuff, not just be so generic, especially now earlier on. I think it was a lot more, if it's a mammal, it's a normal type, but I think there's a lot a bit more variation now than well, there used
1: to be. I mean, that's not necessarily true. I mean, look at, look at the canines and foxes in the first game. <laughs> you got that's true. a lot of different things. I don't, I think the games always yeah, have not some generic normal types, but yeah, I don't know. I I think there's definitely a lot of room there. Yeah, I mean, who would have guessed a bunny rabbit to be a fire type?
0: Or um, a mole. Well, the ground makes sense, but the steel is neat.
1: Well, that's just because he likes to dig. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you ready?
0: Let's do it. Alrighty, guys. So. When you think American prairie and you think critters, what's one of the most iconic prairie critters there be?
2: I wouldn't necessarily call it a critter, but I, I would it's think a the buffalo.
0: What did he tell his son when his son went to college?
1: What was it? Bison?
0: What did, yeah, what did the buffalo tell his son when he went to college?
1: Bison.
0: Ah. Uh...
1: Now, but buffalo and bison are different, though. Yes. And we, the Americas, don't have a buffalo. We have a bison.
0: Yes, which also has the best one. One of the best scientific names as well.
1: Oh, oh,
0: it's bison, bison.
1: <laughs>
2: Were they just like, this is good enough? <laughs> like we, we killed it with this one. Let's it's, do it twice.
0: Exactly. It's up there with um. There's iguana, iguana for the green iguana, and I think it's the western lowland gorilla. Is gorilla, 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 which is the best. <laughs>
2: Is that they're like they're just like this is the quintessential of this type.
0: Yeah, yeah. They looked at it like, This is the bison. So uh, let's double down on it. So uh so bisons, they are members of the cow family, but they're Ooh. way cooler. Yes, moo, but don't pet them because they're um yeah, so the American bison, it's a pretty iconic symbol of like the American West in the prairie. There may have at once been up to or more than like sixty million is like some estimates of what they were at when you hear about Herds taking days to pass, people like past tower, yeah. like herds for days. And then they due to various pressures, like market mainly market hunting, and then also uh eradication due to competition with railroad building space and with cattle grazing. Um, their numbers could have gotten as low as five hundred and forty one. And like market hunting was a big part. Basically, people would go out and they would shoot the bison and just like either skin them out for buffalo cloaks, buffalo robes were a big fashion item for a while, and when nuts that dropped off, bison tongues were a delicacy so that became like they would kill people like people go out kill a bunch of bison just cut off the tongues and leave the rest to rot there's um a couple famous pictures of just like thousands of skulls and like mountainous piles that people make of the bison skulls And there's also kind of an interesting theory about why there were so so many that i was reading also i think it was from the same book i was talking about earlier where they think like there's the one theory that like one of the primary predators of the american bison was humans but once the uh when the europeans came to north america the diseases traveled faster than them so like the smallpox uh, stuff had reached the plains tribes well before the actual like europeans did so the big population drop had already happened so because so many people had died from disease the predation the human predation on the buffalo bison had dropped by so much that caused a bigger boom in their numbers than what it was at previously so there's like the estimates of 60 million may not have been that there might have been 60 million recently, but maybe previously there was like 75% of that. Maybe there was less ish. It's kind of interesting that I read recently. That is, I think kind of makes sense. I don't know. What do you guys think?
2: In theory, it does make sense. I just can't get over the low number, the, the, you know, as low as 541, because that's like half the size of my elementary school. Like that's, tiny in, if you in terms of exactly. like, species population like i don't know how you come back from that
1: yeah well yeah how, how did they come back
0: so starting in the 1900s there was um some people realized that bison were really cool and it would have been a shame if they all died so there was some uh conservation efforts you know, raising them one they saw the value in just having some around to show off having some around for meat and just having some around for the like the good of pres- preserving the species that started in the 1900s there's about 31,000 alive today which is still like a pale shadow of the like herds of yesteryear but like given all the agriculture now that's probably never they're probably never going to be restored to what they were like there's a good chance that a, a decent percentage of the ones that are alive today are no longer pure bright bison and probably have some cattle DNA in there which i guess was pretty common um, commercial bison because it kind of, I guess it helped mellow them out a bit. But there are some wild herds. There's also a really interesting story. I think it's the Copper or the Cooper River in Alaska. I'm not sure. Back in the day, they put a bunch of bison, like I think maybe like a few dozen on uh, some train cars and took them up to Alaska to try to establish a herd up there in an effort to like just put somewhere people weren't going to shoot at them or where they could be alone. And then they had an area picked out, but there was an issue with the train where it got stuck. And they just said, screw it. Let's just let these let them out here and they let them out of the train and then no one saw them for several decades and they just assumed they had died one day a bush pilot saw like t- a herd of like 200 bison crossing a river up in alaska so there's some up there now so that's good too
1: yay for them
0: yay for those guys that got too lazy to move the train
2: the the, the good enough guys eh, this is yeah funny. that
0: was back in the day they they did their best for the conservation they're like ah let's, we'll stick them here let's see how it does
2: I mean them coming back is is awesome in and of itself cuz w- when you talked about the size of the herds and just the amount of time it took to pass like the only other the other thing that comes to mind when you talk about that is the passenger pigeon like the like the size and the amount of those that have been flying around and those are obviously extinct now.
0: Yes. Like one
2: and, main difference? Oh sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just say just like that it was so close to happening again, like something that it was as prevalent as the bison was and as the passenger pigeon. Like it, you know, I, it's great that they seem to have started trending backwards.
0: Yeah, one one difference I think, and like it was a key difference for another. Like passenger pigeon was, I think, it was a pretty iconic animal that unfortunately mm. is gone from these days. From what I can tell, like bison don't really didn't really seem to suffer from the Allee effect, which is basically once an animal's population falls between a certain threshold, it no longer triggers the, like, machination needed for breeding. So, like, passenger pigeons, that's why they went from billions or millions and millions to none, is that they fell with, fell below a certain threshold. But luckily, with most, like, megafauna, the elite effect is a lot less pronounced, So, if if at all. So I think it kind of saved the bison there. But there's another critter we'll talk about later that showed real immunity to the elite effect.
1: Well, I know someone else who wants to talk a little bit about bison, so let's cut it. We got a quick little interview here. Let's hear it. Hi, this is Professor Collins here with LiCat. We are looking at an American bison. What do you want to tell us about it? It's big. Yeah, it's big. These guys, these guys, are over six feet tall at their full grown. What else do you notice about it?
3: It has horns.
1: It does have horns for for, as we notice with other herbivore animals, you know, using that for for mating and combat. What else do you notice?
3: Its hooves are like the shaped for like mountain climbing or something.
1: Well, it does have two hooves. Uh, common to like bovine. Uh, those are actually they're not like I know you're thinking of the markhor we saw earlier. Uh, those are more more flat. Uh, I don't know if they are made for for gripping things the same way. Uh, these are more grasslands plains animals. Do you know anything else about the like the fur or anything? Oh, it it's like.
3: It's like it looks like it's shedding because of like the whipped fur.
1: Yeah, so they do they do molt, uh, and it is currently losing its fur. This one, uh, this this one looks to be a juvenile. He's probably only about five feet tall at the hump, uh, where they you know they do get way taller, like double me. Uh, they're very big animals. Now, do you know do you know anything about these guys?
3: Not really.
1: Well, uh, what what kind of things do you think they eat?
3: Like um well like plants.
1: Yeah, yeah, they are they are big bovine herbivores. Do they eat like weed plants? Uh more of the grasslands. I think we'll talk about that later in the episode here. Uh but do you know that they were almost extinct?
3: How? Well we're oh, talk- horns?
1: Uh actually it had to do with uh the railroad industry.
3: Oh.
1: Yeah, and we'll talk about, about that here and in the episode coming up. But yeah, they almost went extinct, and...
3: Because they were so big?
1: Yeah, they were in the way, and so railroad companies actually paid for them to be removed. And you would get paid per skull. And so people would go out there and hunt millions of them. Why? Well, if you get paid per skull, the more skulls you, get, you bring in, the more what? Money. Yeah, that yeah, was an economics problem. So, thank you for joining me, Lai. Whoa, so I love it. Too cute. You know what else though, we got to say? Uh, she also, Lila and I, were at the Columbus Zoo, and they actually have a bunch of these amazing prairie animals. And right next to the bison was these other little guys, and let's have her tell us all about them. Hi, Professor Collins here again with Liket. We are now at the American Prairie Dogs. What do you notice about them?
3: They are so small.
1: Yeah, they are very small. Uh, do you notice anything else about them?
3: They're, like, flat, but there's a...
1: So there's one right in front of us. He just came out of a hole. Uh, it's maybe about a foot long. It's about the size of my foot, actually. And they're maybe about five, six inches to the back, full height. Anything else you notice about them?
3: It, it's because it, their legs are just, like, they're, like, clawed.
1: Yes, they do have clawed-fingered legs. What do you think they would use them for? For what? Digging. Yeah, for digging. Now, do you know something else about them? Anything unique? Uh, About maybe the way they interact? Look at those two over there.
3: They're like playing with each other.
1: Yeah, meerkats live in. They're like
3: like taking the flies off each other and like.
1: Yes, prairie dogs actually live in large uh, families. Yeah, they will groom each other. Yeah.
3: They will eat the flies off of each other.
1: Uh, grooming is a common way of bonding, especially within uh, mammal families.
3: Like vampire bats?
1: Uh, I, I think, I, I try to go think like more like chimps or bonobos. Prairie dogs. Oh, ha ha ha, prairie dogs. What do you think about them?
0: I am a fan of the actual animal. I hate with a desperate passion the Pokemon equivalent. I think Watchog is hideous.
1: Oh, it's terrible. And I
0: hate it. I hate it so much.
1: I mean, it has it has roots in other animals, too. I know Prairie Dog isn't the only... It's
0: also a meerkat, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, and it's got, like, groundhog... It's got a bunch of stuff. But It's it definitely shiny form
0: a... is atrocious. I hate it.
1: <laughs> so, so... I, I like it. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Get off. Get <laughs> but out. Prairie... So, so what do you want to tell us about Prairie Dogs? All right, so Prairie Dogs
0: are... Actual Prairie Dogs are actually really cool. So prairie dogs have a like very very complex social system. They have like an incredibly intricate system of tunnels with lots of like exits and bolt holes. They use sentries to watch out for danger, and they have a very like complex system of calls. They have a separate call for a hawk compared to like a call for a coyote, and then like that triggers all the prairie dogs to react accordingly. Like maybe stand really still if there's a hawk, run for the holes if there's a coyote.
1: Don't uh, don't meerkats do that too?
0: Yes, they are similar in that regard.
1: That's cool. That's cool.
2: And these calls are adorable. Like, it, it's, you know, they are warning them that there's a hawk coming to eat them. But if you watch the videos of it, it's it's very cute.
0: Classic. <laughs> like, there's, like, the classic, like, Alan! Alan! Video.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah, so um, that's... um, Prairie Dogs did actually take a hit back in the day. It still did. They're, they they regarded and still are in some areas regarded like a, pe- a very large like pest animal on like grazing lands because all of their little holes can cause like cattle and horses to like break a leg. So um, there's been like widespread like eradication efforts and pest control efforts on prairie dogs.
1: That's frustrating. Yep. I mean, they're cute.
0: Yes. All right. I'm gonna go a little out of order on the script because I think this is related. For talk about prairie dogs, we should talk about the black-footed ferret.
1: Yeah. So about is- ferret.
0: Furt, who I do like. I think it's adorable. Furt's um, a ferret.
1: You know, Furt's like five feet tall.
0: I think it's because he's long, though, right? It's more like how vertical is. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's the, but,
1: that's, but that's the thing, though. Like, legitimately, though. So if it's like on its legs, it's only like a foot and a half tall. That's still a really big, long...
0: it's a lot big it's like how nidoking is like four foot eleven it's like a deceptively small pokemon that's what i'm
2: saying like this thing's massive it says it's five eleven so it's pushing (laughs) six feet
0: it's taller than me (laughs) Uh. all right so ferrets bait itself partially the black-footed ferret which is a really really cool animal it's north america's only uh endemic species of ferret cool um Ninety-one percent, according to one study, I found ninety-one percent of their diet is prairie dogs, which I hope I hope ferrets eat all the watchdogs in the games. Um,
2: <laughs> That's unstated in the Pokedex. That ferret eats
1: a
0: It does, though. Believe. Um, it does. I believe it does. I want to believe.
1: Right.
0: Anyway, though, so ferret was um not furret, black-footed ferret. It really <laughs> suffered from the extirpation efforts on prairie dogs and from a few other things. So luckily it was never actually really pursued for its fur. It was considered to be like poor quality fur. So fur trapping never really went off, which like, which is good because there might've been none, but even so, it was actually declared extinct in 1979. In 1981, they found about 130 of them, which is still not a lot, but they all got the plague. (laughs) And uh, poor guys. Yeah. And so then it actually, the, Total extant population of black-footed ferrets that were known fell to 18 individuals. Oh God! But there's for the last 30 years, it was like a rigorous captive breeding program, and now there's about uh, 300 black-footed ferrets in situ, which means like in captivity, and 320 ex situ, which means out of captivity.
1: So wait, like like how rigorous is this breeding? Is this like snoo snoo now?
0: They're going for the they're going for max IVs, dude. <laughs>
1: This is crazy. That's that's a lot of uh, a lot of breeding.
0: Yeah, it, if I remember right, there's um also um plague, Sylvatic plague, S Y L V A T I C plague is a non it's a non-native disease that affects both the prairie dogs and the ferrets, and they have little to no immunity. So there's actually a real issue with sometimes they'll reestablish the ferrets in areas where like maybe a prairie dog colony has it or another ferret has it, and then they just die. There are tests there's like looking and research in vaccines and stuff like that to try to prevent that.
1: These poor guys.
0: I'm rooting for them. I really hope they make it. I think they're an amazing animal. and <laughs> They're I adorable. They all, I hope they eat all the watch hogs in the world.
2: Don, I will slightly correct you in the Pokedex, which is it does state <laughs> that it does hunt a Pokemon, but it is Rattata, not Watchhog. Hog.
0: Actually, I did read part of the study of their non-prairie dog prey items. Twenty-five percent or twenty-eight percent, I believe they said, were rats.
2: So twenty-eight percent of their nine percent. Yes, is right.
0: <laughs> so it's not entirely wrong. Also, to be fair, watch didn't exist for three generations after. That's fur. true.
2: That's true. Fur came before, so I'm sure they would have. But they've add maybe next generation they'll add in that it's eaten all the watchhogs.
0: I hope we, can <laughs> so
1: we get to a game where all the hogs are extinct, <laughs> eaten by ferret. All
0: right, what Alrighty. other
1: animals you got?
0: So speaking of uh, digging critters, real quick, we got moles. Ooh, various yeah. types of moles. Um, I think they're fun. They spend all their time underground digging we holes. A squirrel. Yes, their hands and their bodies, I guess paws, are f- like for optimal digging. They can bend in both directions they can dig 15 feet per hour, which is really impressive when you consider that they're like six so, inches long. It's
1: this, gotten, would <laughs> like, this would be then like drill burr. Cause we didn't say what animal we're talking or what. Oh are yeah. It. It's drill burr. Right. Drill burr and excadrill. Both, both of them. Yeah. You, but, yeah, but so, like, so here's my question though. Like do moles like, like extra drill and drill burr like clearly have like really exaggerated claws. Are moles like that?
0: Moles do have really exaggerated claws, honestly. Oh, yes, do.
2: It's freaky. They're like sometimes like their claws and hands are bigger than their heads. Oh,
0: well, to be fair, they really only need to sniff. They can't use any of the other. I guess they can sm- hear, but they can't actually smell in stereo. Yes, um, to help locate their prey. They eat a lot of worms. Um, so, like,
1: then why why do Excadrill and like Drillbur have such big eyes? And because they, they shouldn't eat them. Because
0: it'd be creepier if they had tiny eyes
1: well i think it's i think it's funny i think there
2: is a slight <laughs> thing in there because uh i think i read that it's the only pokemon that can learn two of the like one hit ko moves i think it's like horn drill and fissure which no, no, lapras, are...
0: learned, lapras actually learns horn drill fissure and sheer cold
1: oh, yes
2: okay. i was gonna say because they're like it has those two wildly inaccurate moves so that's them being like eh, it can't see all the time Okay. <laughs> but
1: apparently Lapras t- took that from it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it's called Gen 1 privilege where they gave everything everything.
1: So what else what else we got to know about moles?
0: All right. So, uh what else about moles? Um well, they gu- gu- Sorry?
2: I was going to say you had mentioned the um uh what was the one sorry, what was the one that you talked about with that caused holes that cows and animals fell in?
0: Uh prairie dogs, but moles will do oh, it okay. too.
2: Yeah, so uh, moles are also uh, cause problems in agriculture because they tunnel so much, it disturbs the soil around uh, the roots of plants. And there's this misconception that moles actually eat the roots, which is not true. They only eat insects and and, and invertebrates. They actually eat some of the things that would eat the roots, but they just tunnel so much that it just completely dislodges the soil and distresses the roots and causes tons of problems in agriculture.
0: Yeah they're just a little too enthusiastic
2: what was the right. oh and yeah. Oh, sorry oh. we can be, we can be no, done go with, we got a lot to go through I was going to say they have their their excadrill himself has those like weird shaped like exaggerated hands Matt as you talked about and they uh, moles actually have extra thumbs that kind of help make those uh, digging hands
0: they'd be oh. so good at smash bros
2: they have extra thumbs yeah they ha- they're polydactyl they have an extra so if you look at them they've got like six fingers I think yeah And then the last thing that I'll leave on moles, because I read about it and it's terrifying, is Don, have you heard of uh, mole kitchens?
0: No, it sounds like a bad thing, though.
2: So apparently moles need to eat a lot uh, because they're constantly digging and expending energy. Uh, And so they eat a lot of worms. But what they also do is they save worms for later. And so they have uh, some kind of toxin in their saliva that is used to paralyze the worms. And they pile them up in these, in what we, call, or what people call mole kitchens. And they just store hundreds upon hundreds of paralyzed worms to be eaten later. And I like to put myself in the mindset of a worm that, like, is just digging through the earth and stumbles into an open cavity to see hundreds of paralyzed brethren just laying there and being like, what have I found?
0: I don't like that mindset. I'm going to avoid it.
2: <laughs> but. That also ties back to Excadrill and Jober because they learn Sludge Bomb and Poison Jab. So you get the that little bit of touch
0: I
1: like that. So. <laughs> okay. There we go. Now we, we made a connection. All right. We got we got some other Pokemon?
0: Yes. So the last main amulets that's in the games, and there's a couple that aren't in the games yet. But we got Ekans. Everyone knows Ekans backwards is Snake. Shout out to powerful naming conventions in Gen 1. <laughs> Ekins is based off ra- is based off a of rattlesnake, which are honestly they're like a very uniquely American snake as a whole. Yes. But since we're talking about the prairie critters, we're going to talk about the prairie rattlesnake. It has the most extensive range of any rattlesnake. It goes all the way from southwestern Canada to northern Mexico. That's getting up there for a snake, like up to yeah. Canada, cold. So good, good on them. They're ambitious. Um, they make it work. They get about three to five feet, which is not the largest for a rattlesnake. Um, the eastern and western diamondbacks both get much larger than that. Rattlesnakes are pit vipers so they have heat sensitive pits on their faces. So they have awesome predator vision where they can see like the heat of their prey. Oh cool. Um,
1: like like, like, kind of like predator?
0: Kind of like predator. Like they see the, um, the infrared like heat output of their prey so they can see in the dark and get all those tasty tasty prairie dogs which is see, good. because
1: I- Ekans needs a better ability now. Yeah, I really
0: like Atkins and Arbok are cool. What else about them? They will often live in prairie dog tunnels that are deserted, or they'll um, make them be deserted by eating them. <laughs> uh, rattlesnakes, as a whole, like typically when they shed their skin, they add a rattle to their rattle, especially as they're getting bigger. So you really can't tell rattlesnakes' age by its rattles, but it's like it does give you an idea. Like obviously, the more rattles on the snake, the older it is because the more it's shed.
2: Don't they? But don't they also lose tips off their rattles?
0: They can lose tips as well. They're not attached that firmly or anything. um, It
2: it really is just like a
0: guesstimate. It's a guesstimate. But I mean, if it has a lot, it's an older rattlesnake than one that probably... Especially if it's... I mean, typically also if it has a lot of rattles, it's probably also just a bigger snake. Which means it's probably been around longer. But they do think rattlesnakes, they have the rattle. There's a lot of large grazing animals, buffalo, or bison, in the American West, slash prairie, slash central area. And the rattle is a very effective adaptive measure to not get stepped on. And also it gives them a way to conserve venom. That way if they rattle and something still comes at them, they know that they need to get it. So it's kind of a, um, a safety precaution on their end. While also being kind of courteous, I think.
2: I'll never forget when I was in, I think it was in Arizona, but we stopped off the road to look you know, look at this beautiful sight, And I step out of the car and I just hear that, that ticking rattle. It's it a very slow- distinctive sound. I was just like, thank you. I will be going and got back in the car and left.
0: Yeah, we have a few species in Florida. We have the pygmy rattle, which is adorable and it sounds like a mosquito whining. And then we have like the eastern, which is very big. But there's actually, um, there's the, um, because there's been over kind of over, I don't don't think the prairie's been as effective as like maybe the western diamondback or the eastern diamondback have, but of the rattlesnake rounds where he will get a bunch of rattlesnakes and kill them out of misplaced fear. Because people do that and they hunt them based off their rattle, they've seen that certain rattlesnake species are actually electing to rattle less now because people keep killing them. So the most polite snake is getting less polite because people keep killing it.
1: (laughs) Classic. Good job. All right, what else we got? We got one more Pokemon.
0: Do we? Oh, I skipped it. Right, yes, the lynx. Shinx, Lu- Lynx, Luxray, Luxio, all those ones, they're cool. They're neat. The Canadian Lynx, it's a cat. It's like a bobcat, but bigger. Um, it lives up in Canada. They depend super heavily on snowshoe hares, and they- their populations are very tied to the snowshoe hare population, which kind of does a boom and bust thing. So Lynx populations do the same. They have big feats because they need like snowshoes to catch the snowshoe hares in the winter. Of like the larger cats, they're doing really well, or I guess North American cats and just in general. Of like the cats, they're doing really well because a lot of their area is like up there in the boreal forest where there's not a lot of people. So they're a species of least concern. So they are trapped for, I guess, their fur is real good, which I guess probably be pretty fluffy since they're up in the north. But they are protected on the southern part of their range due to habitat loss. And the Pokédex mentions with Luxray, it has like really good eyesight and its eyes glow and it can see through walls. I don't think lynx can see through walls, but they have really, really good eyesight. It's like Twilight because they sneak up on the rabbits and the hares and get them.
1: They're amazing to watch.
0: They're really, they're a really, really cool animal. There's a bunch of different kinds of lynxes too. Everyone should check them out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's go on. Let's talk about some animals that aren't in the game and we'll go through a couple really quick. All right. So because the prairies have such amazing animals, I wanted us to go through some of them that are not in the game and tell our listeners about them. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell you about the animal and then what we think they could look like in the game. How's that sound? Good? Good. Yes. Burrowing owl, literal, literal owls that their nests are in burrows that are excavated by prairie dogs. Like they literally steal, you know, underground burrows from the prairie dogs and live in it. Can you say ground flying?
0: Yeah, we actually have them in Florida. There's even a group that live in the um, the infield. I think the Daytona Speedway.
1: Hi.
0: <laughs> also, the book Hoot is in Pick Florida. Another one. We got. Them. Uh, real quick. All right, what's another critter we had? Coyotes. Real quick. I'm a big fan of coyotes. We need it. We do. They're an amazing animal. They're incredibly adaptable. I think whatever the coyote typing would be would be adaptability they're also really really smart and crafty i could see them being a, like you know maybe like a dark type something i could see them maybe being like normal psychic because they're smart unlike wolves which really suffer from the elite effect where when there's less of them they suffer number wise coyotes actually at night when they howl they're doing like a uh, like a roll call Yes, and the coyotes don't hear responses. It triggers a hormonal response in their bodies, and they have larger litters of pups than they would otherwise. So by and they and they leave the area because coyotes have always dealt with persecution from wolves. So people's efforts to eradicate coyotes from the American West resulted in coyotes now being in every single state in America.
1: Yep, which is cool. They're out here. Actually, we can hear them in our backyard sometimes.
0: Yep, I, there's one I see on the way to work every day that lives under the overpass in a bush.
1: I right, we'll pick another one, guys. Uh, I'll go
2: with the the greater prairie chicken, uh, <laughs> which I did not know about until we started talking. And this thing falls under the category of it just looks like a Pokemon. Like, look <laughs> it up. It's you don't even have to design a Pokemon. This is what it looks like. Uh, but it it's, does it, flying it, fighting type. <laughs> Flying fighting would be great. What I what I think would actually be a, – a, what I would put more emphasis on is what its nickname uh, is called the Boomer because of the noises it makes uh, during mating rituals when it has – if you look at it, you'll see those giant orange sacks on its neck, which it inflates, and when it makes the noises, it kind of sounds like you're blowing air over a bottle, like that ooh noise. And so I think it could be something kind of like um, – explow or explow or whatever that has a lot of sound based attacks
1: yeah
0: i like it they're a cool animal other one we got going pronghorn which i think yeah it's so it's technically if i remember right it's not even like it's not a member of the modern antelope family pronghorns nope. are actually are like a weird remnant from the ice age that just didn't die like everything else did <laughs> that's why they're so fast pronghorns are like almost as fast as a cheetah But their fastest predator here is wolves, which hit, like, 35 miles an hour. Um, And pronghorns hit, like, 55, which is, like, drastic overkill. And it's because they were adapted back when North America had cheetahs. So they're, like, this weird remnant thing also. They suck at jumping, which you don't think of when you see, like, an antelope critter. But there's never been a need for them to actually jump high, unlike, like, like a deer. Because there's no natural high barriers, really, on like the prairie. So um, they'll typically, like, under fences and stuff it's like good etiquette out in the West to leave gaps under your fence so that pronghorns can like power slide or crawl underneath fences instead of jumping them. Cause they suck at jumping
1: fast and, <laughs> fast and furious. Pronghorn so, so is this like a uh, normal ground type? Cause like, like, you know, we're, it's got to stay normal on the ground.
0: ground. <laughs> um, yeah, I'd say that give them speed boost. Maybe they're real fast
1: Ooh, speed boost.
0: Maybe thick fat because they live through the ice age.
1: No, no, no. Um, give, them, give them, a yeah. normal ground type with speed boost. Can you imagine how fun that would be?
0: Oh, I'd like it. No, I think they're they're a really really cool critter. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else. Maybe they eat sage. They eat, you know, like plants. I give them sap sip or something if they want to be, mix it up, but they're neat.
2: If they're so, if they're faster than their biggest predator, how are their numbers kept in check? Or like historically,
0: so they like, they're smart? They're 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 faster, but they don't have. The stamina. Wolves are like a stamina predator where they chase stuff. They're kind of like people back in the day, how we used to do it. You just chase it until it gets tired.
2: Okay.
0: And they're fast and they can run a good while. But like especially like in the winter in snow, wolves would chase them in the deeper snow and just like they can't do anything. Gotcha. Okay. Real quick too, last critter I want to say, red hawks. Classic flying type, kind of symbol of America West as a whole. Also, the go-to like bald eagle noise you hear in movies is actually a red tail hawk. That classic yep. like screech echoing noise. Obviously flying, flying fighting would be cool. Flying fire would be cool because they kind of got the red tail aesthetic to them.
2: I could see them doing a fire aspect to it
1: just, just to play off that redness. We already got, I mean, we already got Talonflame though. I think that's going to be that's too true. much like Talonflame. That's yeah, true. maybe
0: flying fighting. We don't have really any of those. So that'd be cool other than Halucha and yeah. I guess you, Galar Zapdos.
1: Yeah, I mean, but the red tailed hawk is, is they're good hunters though, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, they're um they're big too. They're one of the largest hawks.
1: Hmm. Okay. You know, let's, real quick though, why have we never had a grasshopper Pokemon? I think the closest we've had is like crickets, Cricketune, Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's a good. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah,
1: Cricketune cause... is
0: slow, though. Yeah. A grasshoppermon should be fast.
1: Did you? Yeah, know that? When well, they relative... jump, and they jump high, like they jump massive amounts for their size. Well, I say relative. Get... I say relative to their size, they're basically if a human jumped as far as
2: a grasshopper jumped, a human would be jumping the size of a football field.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and they eat a ton too. Like they like I'd like to see it doesn't even have to be a big bug type, but it's like a small grasshopper. Did you see yeah. the amount
2: of food in a bug's life that they needed to feed the grasshoppers? These things can eat. So much. <laughs> okay,
1: Great. on that note. <laughs>
0: So how about you know, them American critters?
1: <laughs> Fascinating yeah, group. I want to see Brewing owl so bad. That's all I'm saying.
0: I I really want that. Actually, that might be of the ones we talked about. That might be up there for my. Most That'd be morning.
1: so cool. And then like give it dig. Yeah. yeah. And like also- the animation, the animation would have to be it because it like it has to fly and then it flying down into the ground.
0: Shout out to supersonic sky strike Doug Drio.
1: Yeah. Anyways, that was fun. I appreciated you guys uh, getting this episode together. Thank you, both of you. You're welcome. I I really appreciate it. Uh, For those of you who are listening at home, few quick notes. Cameraman Chris's videos are now up on Facebook and YouTube. That's right. Go check it out. I enjoy the SNOM one. It's adorable and cute. SNOM's always a crowd pleaser.
0: Snum's a precious baby.
1: Yeah, go find them on YouTube and Facebook and share them with your friends. They're quick, you know, they're brief, to the point, and they got lovely Pokemon. And yeah, so uh, as always, uh, please leave us a five star review on iTunes. We greatly appreciate it. If you could share us with one friend, we'll double in size. If everyone just shares us with one friend, we'll be twice as large tomorrow. Yeah, That's no. Matt.
2: That's Matt. Yes.
1: I'm that just tracks. saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know no, for real thank you for everyone who's been so supportive and for you patreon guys come on come get your pokemon they're sitting here in my box i don't want to hold them forever and yeah i think that's really about it find us on facebook and like us follow us on twitter and yeah that's it i'm good you guys have a lovely fourth of july all of you be safe
0: try to only like blow off two or three fingers the most
1: I would say I would say aim a little higher but yeah that was try for no fingers please blow off no fingers be safe wear a mask wear a mask wear a mask goodbye Adios. Bye.